0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I never buy into the whole like AFC is terrible hype. That's why the Patriots, are, but the AFC terrible. Yeah, this is like a, a historically bad division this year, and the Patriots are historically. It's going to be an interesting year. Oh yeah. Good lord.
1: You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast.
0: All right, hello everybody and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Coming at you a little later in the week than usual this week because much like the Miami Dolphins, Rich Hill and I did not show up when we were supposed to. But I'm (laughs) glad we're remedying that right now, getting back on the airwaves to talk all things Patriots in the week that was in the NFL. Rich, I I gotta ask, what the
1: hell did we watch on Sunday? I have no clue. I mean, I watched the first... uh, first half of the game and it seemed like one of those quintessential games where the patriots let the dolphins hang around far too long where they miss a field goal they miss the extra point it's 13 to 0 as you're going into the half but they didn't even get six of those points until a minute 19 left and so for most of the first half it was just like oh my gosh this is going to be another one of these miserable games in miami where the Patriots just let it slip through their fingers, and then the Dolphins will do just something stupid in the final quarter and pull out a victory. Kind of the opposite happened, Alec. Kind of huh. the exact opposite happened. What did you see?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's just remarkable how bad this Dolphins team is, man. Like There was all this talk about their tanking, they're just not giving a, a crap about the effort. And I didn't really watch much of the the Ravens game. I just saw the highlights, and so I thought it was overreaction Monday. Everyone always blows out of proportion. So I didn't really watch much Dolphins football uh, week one. But week two, watching this team and the ineptitude and players bumbling and bobbling balls, players literally ducking out of the way of passes, just a a lackadaisical effort all over, not necessarily from the players themselves, not saying the players are not trying, but it is very, very clear to me now that the Dolphins of 2019 – May be the worst roster ever assembled within football. And that's saying something. That's going with the, the Lions and the Browns. This is just an embarrassment. And I don't really know how much we can really break down about this game, Rich, because it really wasn't much to break down. But before we get into that, we have a lot to get to there. But I want to talk a little bit about the week that was in the NFL in terms of other games, because there were some key injuries to some quarterbacks that I think changed the entire landscape of the league.
1: Oh, absolutely. You go up and down the, the AFC, as well as like at the top of the NFC, there are big changes. So, first one, let's start with the NFC and then go a little bit closer to home afterwards. But first off, Drew Brees tore a ligament in his throwing hand to the point where he was not able to hold a football. And he is expected to be out for the next six to eight weeks. Alec, what do you think that does for the NFC playoff picture?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. The Saints offense, I feel like they're kind of riding uh, a really remarkable run in the early 2010s. They've kind of dropped off a little bit, but they were a playoff contender. I think they were the NFC South favorites to win that division. Um, I, I like them over the Rams personally. Obviously, that is not the case anymore. Teddy Bridgewater is one of the more capable backups in the league, but he is no Drew Brees. And with Brees out at least six weeks, plus who knows how long it will take to the arm strength back, the hand strength back. Uh, I don't want to say the Saints season is over, but I think they are definitely on the outside looking in right now. And if Brees comes in and comes back strong, maybe they sneak into a wild card spot. But that that is the Rams division to lose now.
1: Well, I mean, the, they're fortunate. I mean, like, the Rams definitely have the inside lane for the NFC just because uh, you look at who the big competitors are. The Eagles, they lost to the Falcons on, on uh, in prime time. So that's kind of disappointing for uh, – the the eagles there and that was probably one of the biggest challenges for the rams and sure like the packers the cowboys the 49ers and the seahawks are all still undefeated as well and you know the technically the detroit lions haven't lost either um so there's like a lot of really good teams jockeying for place at the top the the nfc so if the saints can't win the south then they might not make the playoffs just because of how deep this conference goes Fortunately, they are in a very, very, very weak, 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 weak NFC South. The Panthers looked atrocious. Cam Newton looks completely done. The Buccaneers are not a great team. They have a terrible quarterback. And then you have the Falcons, who appear to be very, very inconsistent. So if the Saints can somehow survive the next six to eight weeks without... Drew Brees if they can split some of these games they got the Seahawks next they got the Cowboys the week afterwards they got the Bears in week seven they might be expecting Drew Brees to come back after their bye week in week 10 if 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 the Saints can find a way to split their next six games maybe they'll have a chance but if they lose to the Seahawks if they lose to the Cowboys and they lose to the Bears they probably aren't gonna have a chance to to make the playoffs
0: uh, I agree with you. And the same thing can easily be said for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC because they didn't look good against the Patriots. Ben Roethlisberger's throws looked off uh, against them. And I thought that it was more of the defense being stifling, which it was not to take away from the defense. But whenever a quarterback holds his elbow in a non-contact throwing motion, you know it's trouble. He's done for the year. Do you think the Steelers have any shot of making the playoffs now?
1: Well, they have to hope so, because uh, we were talking about the Miami Dolphins being the worst team ever assembled. They traded away one of their bright spots. They traded away Minka Fitzpatrick, last year's like 10th overall pick, to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the Steelers' first-round pick. So if the Steelers are terrible, they are 0-2 right now. If they are terrible the rest of the way, uh, the Dolphins might have a couple of top 10 picks on their hand. And with the the Steelers' immediate schedule... They're on the road against the 49ers, who are undefeated right now. They got the Bengals team, which is not great, but whatever. Then they got the Ravens and then the Chargers. So this team could very well be 1-5 by their Week 7 bye week. Kind of eases up a little bit after that from a schedule standpoint. They still have the Rams. They got both their games against the Browns. This Steelers team was already not looking great prior to Roethlisberger's injury. It looked like they didn't really have an answer for no longer having Antonio Brown on their team. James Conner suffered an injury, so we'll see how he fares. But this is a weak Steelers offense, and it's a defense that is kind of, uh, you know, always mediocre. They, they struggle against the Patriots. They struggle against the Seahawks. They're not a good defense against good offenses, so when it comes down to it, The Steelers have to be pretty happy that this is a weak AFC because uh, if if the AFC had the same amount of depth that the NFC did, the Steelers would be absolutely out of the picture.
0: I'm glad you said weak AFC, Rich, because I got to ask you, based on the results we've seen, again, it's still very, very, very early in the 2019 season, but is there any team at all – in the AFC that can challenge the Patriots or the Chiefs for dominance in any capacity the Chargers just lost to the Lions the Ravens are a real question mark in my opinion the Dolphins are terrible obviously the Cardinals are the worst team in the league last year they were a rookie quarterback I can't put too much weight into that the Colts are very mediocre is there any team how, how big is that disparity between the Patriots Chiefs and the rest of the conference
1: it's huge, it is enormous. I would expect the Patriots and Chiefs to clash again in the AFC title game. I think there's just a lot of question marks. That's the real question like I mean that's the point of what's happening right now where the Texans I don't think are a bad team. I don't think the Chargers are a bad team. I don't think the Titans are a bad team. I don't think the Colts are a bad team. I just don't think that they're anywhere near the same level as the Chiefs and the Patriots. And if you ask them to play each other, I would expect the Chiefs and Patriots to win four out of five times. The real question in my mind comes with the Baltimore Ravens, and that's kind of it. <laughs> I mean, I get the the Bills technically are undefeated, but I don't really have the highest hopes for them because they kind of stumbled their way to get where they are. They have really benefit from a super, super easy schedule. I mean, the Patriots technically have as well, but the Jets have beat the Giants and the, or sorry, the Bills have beat the Jets and the Giants, so not the most impressive competition. So it comes down to the Ravens, who have also beaten terrible competition you know it's you see the fireworks show you see that the ravens are putting up points left and right lamar jackson i mean he understandably so is in the mvp conversation just because of how efficient he's been he has just shown incredible control of the offense which has caught um let me see the miami dolphins by surprise (laughs) so how much can you really take that from that i mean the dolphins are clearly the worst team in the league they're going to be the first overall pick this year and then he also you know the ravens did well against the arizona cardinals who had the first overall pick this past year so these are two really terrible teams that the ravens have defeated I still think that they are a good team. I still think that they are going to be a postseason team, but it remains to be understood if their success through two weeks is indicative of how they'll look against top talent, or if they are more in the same line as the, the Chargers and the Texans as teams that are very, very good, but at the end of the day, can they actually even really compete atop the AFC?
0: Well, I'll tell you who cannot compete, compete atop the bottom of the AFC, and that is the Miami Dolphins, Rich. Let's just get this over with because <laughs> I like blowouts. I, I enjoy them. They're much easier on my heart. My stress levels are much lower. I don't like sweating through my recliner watching these games, nail biters. But at some point, they scored 24th quarter points, 10 quarter points in the in the third quarter, two pick sixes. Tom Brady had what, oh, 264 yards, two TDs. He wasn't even trying out there. Is there anything you can take away from the offensive side of the ball that makes you say, like, oh, that's good? Antonio Brown's debut, we can talk about that as you want. But in my personal opinion, I don't think I really saw anything out of the offense that I can really glean and use as evidence or support for, for future games. I think they just had better talent. They knew it. They went out there and imposed their will. And that's all there really is to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the Patriots definitely overwhelmed the Dolphins just on sheer. Capabilities. Uh, I would say that there's two real takeaways I would have. One, Philip Dorsett seems like the real deal. I think he will continue to be a producer for the Patriots offense. I think that's valuable. Uh, number two, Sony Michel looked solid. You know, he's a little boom bust. But the big takeaway I would have is that the Patriots placed left tackle Isaiah Wynn on the injured reserve with his turf toe injury. So that is the biggest issue. The Patriots are super shallow At offensive tackle, they are already dealing with an injury to Marcus Cannon's shoulder. So they had to play both Marshall Newhouse and Corey Cunningham in the starting lineup. Or I guess technically not starters, but they had to put him into the the lineup due to those injuries that the players suffered. They just signed a player from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Caleb Beninock, I believe is how you pronounce it. He started 16 games for the Bucs last year at a right guard or at guard and tackle. So he has starting experience in Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach we trust, but uh I'm really concerned. I am really concerned with this Patriots offensive line because there's only so much that Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason can withstand because they've already lost David Andrews, Marcus Cannons already on like a week to week schedule. Isaiah Wynn cannot return for 6 to 8 weeks, or I guess technically 8 weeks. So this offensive line is really really battered. They are fortunate that they have an incredibly easy schedule. Uh, coming up with the Jets at the Bills against Washington, the Giants, and then the Jets again to allow some of these players to really take hold. But if you can't take anything positive away from this Patriots offense, just doing whatever the heck they want to do against a non-existent Dolphins team, you can definitely be a little bit concerned about this offensive line. and what the injuries might mean for protecting tom brady generating a solid rushing attack and being able to fully capitalize on how strong and deep the, the receiving talent is
0: yeah i mean there's a concern i'm not nearly as worried about it as i was in 2015 when it the offensive line was in shambles and they could never get on the same page and they were swapping guys out it seems like almost drive to drive they had different lines out there Remember, Donny's Kurneki was not in the offensive uh, the coaching staff for 2015 season. It definitely showed. He came out of retirement. It's been fine ever since. I'm not over the word about of the offensive line, Rich, for two reasons. Uh, one, I think Wynn will be back. Cannon will be back. And two, this offensive depth at receiver, at running back, receiving back, with Rex Burkhead, with James White, with Antonio Brown now, who I haven't really talked about yet, with Josh Gordon, with Edelman Philip Phil Dorsett, just catches everything gone his way. In 2015, you remember, there were a lot of really quick release passes, a lot of quick outs, a lot of quick slants, a lot of screens, a lot of running back wheel routes that compensated for a lack of protection for Tom Brady. They're very capable of doing that. There's enough depth and enough talent at the receiver core. I think they can mold and adjust the offense should the O-line protection become a problem. And so I think the combination of Skarnecchia and the versatility of this offense has already shown means they're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. They'll, they'll always find a way. There's too much talent for this not to work out. And they're playing against such weak talent that you have to expect that... Things will settle down. I mean, Ted Karras was already snapping better this week than he was in the opening week. There wasn't a lot of those floaters out there. So the more that this interior line can play together, the more beneficial it will be for Michelle coming out of the backfield. And yeah, there's just so many question marks with these other teams, and we'll break down the game against the New York Jets on our later pod this week. But I mean, ultimately... I don't think there's too much you can take away from the Patriots offense, but from a defensive side, Alec, this was another yeah. lights out performance by the new England Patriots. They allowed, let me count it, uh, zero points. They allowed zero points, which is a feat no matter how terrible the opposing team is. Cause you can always just accident your way into scoring some points. Alec, what did you think about the Patriots defense?
0: Yeah, I mean th- this, this, or continues to amaze me I don't know what it is about players who leave New England go to another team and come back and dominate but you see it more often than not maybe it's because they see what they had in New England and they miss it and they come back and they promise not to make the same mistakes again I don't know what it is but Jamie Collins gets my game ball defensively he was all over the place had two interceptions one went for a touchdown blew up a couple of tosses in the in the backfield. He was very instinctive, but the coaches, staff, after the game were interviewed, they said Collins, he didn't freelance, he obeyed all the rules, gave his assignments a good look, and he was all over the place. And they complimented a very strong front four. The pass rush wasn't great. I know seven sacks is a great day, but the pass rush wasn't really, really great, but they were overwhelming enough. And the secondary, you don't really need to have a a fierce pass rush when no one's ever open. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's, it's, it's remarkable to me. The only thing that I'm concerned about Rich is... I have seen on both Dolphins games and the Steelers game, players have been open deep down the sidelines. They've been dropping passes. So the Patriots have gotten away with a couple. Uh, I do think it's concerned that the deep ball, if there's enough time for the quarterback to throw, they, they're not going to drop everything. So eventually they're going to get burned with those. That's one area if I had to be... One one turd in the punch bowl. It'd be in general just deep passes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know the chickens will come home to roost at some point if they allow these players to get behind them. I believe I've seen both Jason McCourty and J C Jackson be responsible for that. Uh, but fortunately, we have stefan Gilmore and Jonathan Jones, who I think you know, add in Jason McCourty form the best trio in the league. This defensive secondary is so deep. That this Dolphins team never got anything going. According to Football Outsiders, which looks at how teams perform relative to the average team. You know, like how much better than average are certain teams. They looked at every single team dating back to the 80s. Every single game. And they said that this Dolphins team, this combination of Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who combined for four interceptions, they looked terrible out there until they got some fortunate garbage time production that duo of Rosen and Fitzpatrick combined to put together the worst passing day according to their records the least efficient the least effective and so much of that credit should go to the Patriots secondary for just locking down their players every which way but also to the defensive front for not allowing them to get comfortable. So when you're looking at this Patriots defensive front seven, they returned Kyle Van Noy, who congratulations to him, has a new baby, good for him. Um, Adam Butler contributed two sacks of his own, and you just got a lot of production up front. Chase Winovich got a sack and a half, Danny Shelton got a sack, Michael Bennett got a sack, John Simon got a sack. There's been so much production up front. Chicken or the egg here, secondary's been doing a great job allowing the front to get pressure, and the pre- front's getting a lot of pressure to allow the D de- secondary to break things up. Is this one of the best Patriots defenses you've seen?
0: You know, it's funny. Chris Price of uh, W E I Boston Sports Journal, I think now he's doing the Boston Globe. Did a Twitter uh, poll survey about what your favorite defense, the Patriots, are comparing this new unit to unit of your. And 04 still wins out for the, the, the fan votes. Uh, that was a very, very special defense. Uh, however, that was the whole season. I uh, think it's easy to look back romantically at a, a championship well-winning defense and a whole season to dominate uh, i think this potentially could be as good if not better than the 0-4 team uh you can't start with better than that i mean three points through two games is pretty remarkable but uh excuse me for not quite uh jumping on it just yet i want to see this game the season play a little bit more and i wouldn't mind seeing uh the team face a quality offense and stop somebody that can actually throw the ball but uh, i may have to wait a couple weeks for that one
1: yeah, no, and that's fair. But no matter how bad the opposition has been, which to be fair, I mean, the Steelers were not a terrible team. They, I mean, they are not looking great, but they were a playoff team last year, or I guess, you know, close enough. They, they were like, theoretically, last year, they were a good team. Uh, they always fall apart against the Patriots. <laughs> but the Patriots, as you said, have allowed three points through the first two games of the year. I'm going to list off how many other teams have done better than that. Go. Oh, I did. I gave the list. There there have been no teams, no teams in NFL, like dating back to forever that have allowed fewer than three points through their first two games. There have been three other teams that have also allowed three points. You have the 1970 Detroit Lions, the 1976 Houston Oilers and the 1981 Buffalo Bills all allowed three points through their first two games. But that's it. Patriots have joined them. The Patriots have been absolutely dominant. They have a point differential of 73 points through the first two weeks. That is the third best all-time. This team is firing on offense, on defense, and I guess not special teams because Steven Gostkowski had another iffy outing. Um, But Mm. overall, this Patriots team is one of the most complete we've seen. Let's
0: talk about goals for a minute, Rich, while you brought it up to close this out. Uh, I'm personally, am not worried about Steven Goskowski. I feel like he has a game or two like this every year, and he always comes up big in terms of regularity and consistency, but as always, as Patriots fans tend to do, he misses a couple extra points or a field goal, he's a 48-yarder, was by no means a gimme. They start to wonder if his time is up, blah, blah, blah. Any concerns on your end about Goskowski, Rich?
1: Yeah, you never like to see him miss a couple extra points, but over the course of the whole season, I'm sure he'll rectify it. I do have some bigger picture questions about his leg ability because it seems like over the past few years, his ability to hit the field goals from 40 plus out has declined a little bit. So he's no longer hitting them at that like 80% clip he was doing from 2013 to 2015. He's dropped down a little bit. And so... If he continues to struggle or only hit like two thirds of his kicks from 40 plus, that is going to be an indicator that he's no longer the same kicker that he was before. That the Patriots should probably start looking for an eventual heir and replacement and successor to him because he's no longer making all of those necessary kicks. In my mind, I'm shocked that the Patriots have yet to convert Jake Bailey to be the full time kickoff guy because. Ever since Koskowski has been asked to change his kicking motion on kickoffs to get a little bit more air underneath the ball, to make it a little bit more challenging for the opposing team to return it, ever since that happened, he started to struggle a little bit more on the deeper kicks. And I wonder if there's something funky going on with his technique that makes it a little bit more challenging for him to, to hit those longer field goals. And if the Patriots could just say, you know what? Bailey, you do it. You're the young guy. You're the young guy. You're a puncher. We just want you to knock the ball out of the end zone. Just do it every single time. Whatever. Not a big deal. Goskowski, focus on your technique for these longer field goals. If they were able to do that, I wouldn't be surprised if he could just regain his prior ability.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And plus, Jake Bailey is punting so few times every game. Give him something to do, at least. You're paying the kid. <laughs> we'll send them out there to catch, and they're they're doing a lot of kickoffs, so it makes a lot of sense, and I totally agree with that. The kicking motion has been, been different, and he usually figures it out when it really matters, and so I'm not worried about him. But I guess just a tough game, tough day overall for Patriots kickers. Uh, Stephen Guskowski had a rough day, and our very own beloved Adam and Terry looks like he's at the end of his rope, which is too bad. But he's 46. I guess he's he's had a good run, but uh, never a good thing to see those two guys struggling.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And Adam Vegetari said he's not going to retire yet, but we'll see if this might be his last year out there. We'll see if his ongoing woes continue. But... That was week two. That was week two. The Patriots are in great standing. They remain neck and neck with the Kansas City Chiefs atop the AFC. It doesn't look like there will be too many teams that can compete with them. The Patriots did their job against weak opponent, which is all you can ask for. They were in Miami. We cannot understate that. They have always struggled in Miami in recent years, and the Patriots did you know literally the best they possibly could. Forty three to zero. You cannot complain. Alec next week the patriots take on the new york jets we will be breaking down that podcast later do you have any final thoughts on week two of the nfl season
0: nope it's always good to get one on the road to miami and we're on to luke falk
1: is that who we're <laughs> on to next it'll be a roulette we'll find out until next time <laughs> alec you have a good one